Welcome to True and Unpolished. Through this podcast, our intention is to uplift, amuse, and inspire you to create more of a life you'll love. Let's get authentic, everybody. Hi there, people. I'm trying to come up with creative ways to say hello. Today, Mary and I were talking about what we wanted to share with you guys, and we recognize, we all do, you do, we do, we know that the world and all of its inhabitants have gone totally crazy at this moment in history. Cuckoo. Cuckoo birds. And that can feel a little serious, not a little, but it can feel a lot serious. It can feel really heavy. Uh, and trying. And so today we are going to talk about some crazy moments, some shocking moments that are a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. And we also were trying to decide what, what if our stories, because Mary's got a story and I got a story, and we wanted to know are they true? We all have a story, Lydia. That's true. That's true. Corrected. I stand corrected. We were trying to decide if they're true, if they're unpolished, which one they are. And so we're going to let you decide. After Mary tells her story, I'm going to tell her whether I think it's true or unpolished and why. And she's going to do the same for me. All right. This is going to be fun. Mayor? This is going to be fun. In 2015, I got divorced and I bought a house. Next door lived this sweet little family with um, two girls and a mom. About mm, two months later, three months in, there was this event that I had at my house. It was a housewarming slash blessing, and it was just a huge, like, beautiful event. I, I had friends come and decorate my house and get everything ready. I was at work all day and I come home and there is this beautiful home and all these guests kind of awaiting me. My house is really clean. It's probably the cleanest it's ever been (laughs) or ever will be (laughs) before since. Right. And so it started raining that night that I had my party and it rained for days the river swelling the creeks or the dams breaking and it ended up being this massive flood oh that's right oh my gosh i forgot it coincided with that okay yeah it was a really interesting moment because i was i was literally moving from one life to another you know, I bought this house the whole time that I was in my old house going through a separation. I really painstakingly went through all of the things that I own, got rid of it, kind of reflected. And, you know, it was a very traumatic, but also clearing and healing year. And that book about finding joy had come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so you take everything in that in your closet or whatever, you put it in the center of your room and you only keep the things that bring you joy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I was leaving the house and my ex-husband would come back to live in that house after we got divorced. But what I did was I went through everything in my house that way. So when I moved into this home that I'm in now, I, everything in my home brought me joy. Yeah. And so, um, I, I live on a very flat piece of property, but everybody, I mean, it was a very like, even this is not lighthearted, the lighthearted and fun part of my story because everybody was freaking out because the, the dams were breaking and, you know, I mean, a ton of homes got flooded, ruined people misplaced and, you know, all that sort of thing. I had just started this new life and we had this beautiful family next door who, um, I was starting to fall in love with. And we had this magical moment during that flood. I guess it was kind of the aftermath, but it kept raining. Um, but the, the, the water started to subside. One magical part was that I got to get the whole week off work, stay at home mom. You know, we have this commune thing going on. The girls are running back and forth Yeah, as you and I do, I got inspired and <laughs> I decided to make soup. I love making soup in the fall. And this was around October. I don't do things half-ass. <laughs> I either do them or I don't do them. That's right. And so I had my soup pot, my other pot, my crock pot and my neighbor's pot. And they're all over here and we're just like throwing stuff in the pot and making all this soup. <laughs> and there's only two of us that live yeah. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started and, and also I'm vegetarian. So people don't really love to eat what I cook all the time. You know, <laughs> I, amen. Amen. <laughs> so, um, so I have like overflowing pots and pots of soup and what I do is I again get inspired and we're going to go deliver these things all of us pile in the car and we go and deliver these uh, quite frankly they probably weren't even that good containers of soup to people who are working in rescue and that continued for a long time, that magic. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that is what life does for us in those moments where things are being washed away, literally, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm in the middle of trying to rebuild and the rains kind of come down mm -hmm. and I'm creating something new, even yeah. if it's not delicious. That's to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> to everybody. I find that if you just put a little salt on stuff, it gets much better. Yes. I love, I do love some salt. <laughs> I, I think that that story is true. I think it's true because, you know, you explain that you put your stuff in the middle of the room and you only kept the things that brought you joy, uh, which was being true to yourself. And then, that intention flowed 
over into your new home. And it's true because it your experience of that flood reflected the intention you had for your new home. Because I'm I know, you know, and everybody, just so you know, it doesn't flood where Mary lives. I mean, that's where I'm from. I was born there and lived there for a very long time. And it doesn't flood there. So it's a very strange circumstance. I mean, pre pre all this madness. And and that's worth noting that we wanted this to be pre-March 2020. Uh, and so, you know, now it's like we can't be shocked, but <laughs> then we still could be. And uh, I think it was you, it was true because it reflected your experience and other people probably had a very different experience of that flood. Well, I know that other people did. And I have one friend in particular who had a similar traumatic experience in divorce and she didn't show up that night. I'm not going to share with you why, Why? but she, she didn't show up that night. And that night was a very traumatic night for her, not because of the flood, but I think the, the symbolism of that. Yeah. Um, another thing about that experience that I think for me was really beautiful was what happened on social media. So, and this is locally, what happened locally where I live is people shared information there was this exchange of information, at least on my feed, where you knew what was happening. And I would go look, I would want to go look at the news stories. And what happened was they were saying the same thing over and over. So it wasn't information. Yeah. It was just sensation. Yeah. And, and, but, but what I found was that when I opened social media, people were actively sharing Mm -hmm. what was happening and how you could help, which is what led me to the inspiration to take soup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the feeling of wanting to help that was there and that, that community was truly there. And it was something really beautiful that I had never seen before in that way. I mean, I I think it does happen in natural disasters a lot where people show up for each other. People are inspired to do things that they normally wouldn't do. In the movie, The Moses Code, there is a filmmaker in that movie. And he talked about, he was uh, at the World Trade Center, you know, when the planes hit. And uh, no, no, no. He was in New York City a few blocks away. And once everything started going nuts, he, you know, ran toward the disaster. Like he felt very called to go and be of service and to help. And he had the experience of that all being love. Like everywhere he looked, all he saw was love. He saw people Mm -hmm. helping each other, calling for each other, firemen running into the building. I mean, he, and he, for him, the experience of that moment, that day, that time was one of love. And I'm sure there's a ton of people that didn't experience it that way. And, you know, perception 
creates reality. Like if we're willing to look and see love, we'll see it. Also, uh, in studying 9-11 and kind of breaking it down, not everybody that was there had PTSD. Not everybody that was there had it. Mm -hmm. And the people that had it were people who were alone, that couldn't get to other people, that couldn't get to their family, couldn't get, they were completely cut off. And then the people that were not alone did not have that. And I think that there is that sense of community when something first happens. I think that we do that really well. When something first happens, I think that we as uh, a human race kind of come together and something beautiful happens. And I, unfortunately, it isn't sustainable, not because we don't have the capacity for it, but because we haven't woken up to the degree that we need to. Right. And what you're talking about is inspired action. Right. It's different than impulse, but they can have some overlap and, but inspired action is always there. It's always available. But I think, I think you're right on with the being awake part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we can't sustain it. Cause even in the beginning of this, even in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody like came together for a minute. So in the church that Lydia and I grew up in, we didn't go to the same church, but we went to uh, the same type of church and there were retreats that all the, all the area churches would, would come to. And it was that sort of thing. It Mm -hmm. was a, it was a sort of sacred and also secretive kind of surprise that there it's called happening. And there's a, there's similar ones in different types of churches. It's when we have these mountaintop experiences, we are connected truly to the divine and to each other. Mm-hmm. And those retreats really did create that for adolescence is what those retreats are designed for. They really do create that element. Yeah. But yeah. I think whether it's that kind of retreat, that sort of manufactured and, and, and it's a beautiful, wonderful retreat, but it's also manufactured. Right. And what happens is we start creating dogma. Then we get stuck in the dogma. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. And what that reminds me of is what, um, the secret language of birthdays says about me, about people that are born on my week. Yeah. And what it says is that we, uh, you know, are naturally likable. You are naturally likable. Lydia is naturally, naturally yes. likable. Yes. It says that I, Lydia, am naturally likable and that I can get addicted to the applause mm-hmm. in such a way that I notice that I'm likable and, you know, I'm getting the applause, so to speak. And so then I go, okay, what was I doing to get that applause? I need to go get that applause again. Okay. I'm going to try to do that. And so what happens is that I end up being fake and phony and not me. The whole reason why I was liked in the first place. And then I scratch my head and go, well, what happened? A sort of a personal dogma. Yeah. A personal dogma. Exactly. Like what is, 
your personal. Doctor. What is my, what is my role? I mean, it's a role. It's like, yeah. how do I, how do I stay in that role? How do I, you know, continue to wear this mask? Right. Until and how- then, until then you're like, why the hell am I wearing this mask? Right. <laughs> and also it's how do we keep this, you know, brotherly love going? Like, how do we, you know, do that? And I think then yes. how do we create more of that? Right. And then we get opinions yeah. about it. And your opinion and my opinion are going to be different about how we go about keeping that brotherly love. And all of a sudden we don't got any brotherly love anymore. So do you think your story is going to be true or unpolished? I don't know. I think it's going to be unpolished. And I think all of you are just going to be like, I'll be the judge. Okay. Okay. You be the judge. Okay. So, okay. Everybody like try if you can to put your mind back in January, 2020, like before all of this happened, because really and truly, I cannot imagine something that would shock me. Maybe aliens, maybe aliens would shock me at this point, but almost nothing else would. And I think that's true for everyone. Don't speak so suddenly. (laughs) I know, exactly. Knock on wood. So try to put yourself like you are you. Close your eyes. You are you. It is January 15th or some other arbitrary day in January of 2020. Now listen to my story. Okay, so my boys and I went to uh, Target. (laughs) Can we open our eyes? Yeah, yeah, open your eyes. Uh, Or keep them closed. I don't know. Whatever works for you. So we're at Target and we need to run in and get a birthday gift. It's like right before a birthday party. And because that's the way I roll, I do everything last minute. (laughs) And so, you know, it's 13 minus 30 minutes until the party starts and it's a kid birthday. And so we're going in to get the birthday present. And I walk like everything's normal. I walk into the store. It's just normal Target. I walk to the back with the boys. We pick out the gift and we come back and I see that the line in Target looks like the line outside of like the Apple store when a new iPhone is coming out or concert tickets or um, uh, what's the day of Black Friday. Like it Mm. literally was wrapped all the way around. And, you know, I've been, I've been in a store like that. Well, but the weird thing is that when we walked in, which was just 10 minutes before, there was no line. Everything was normal. And now there's this huge line and people are like, you know, the, the murmurings are What's going, What's on? going on here. Like, why are we in line? I got to go, blah, 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 blah. you know, and I Christmas right. is over. Yeah, it is nowhere near Christmas at this time. And I was this is where I got really excited because I always and I have to check in with myself if this is still true. But I loved it when stuff went wrong. Like I thought, good, good that it went wrong and that it's not, you know, monotonous and the same thing over and over again. Like I would get excited when stuff went wrong. And so I'm getting excited and the boys are like, what? And I said, this is so exciting. Just watch, just, you know, 
this is not like, this isn't normal. Let's just look, let's just watch, you know? And I'm so excited. That was so magical. It was magical. And here is what happened. All of the targets all over the country at the same time, their computer systems went down. Yes. So people in other places, in other targets, were also experiencing something crazy. And that got me even more excited that this was happening on a widespread (laughs) level. Uh, And so that was it, you know, and people would be mad and they, you know, there were people that were mad. There were people that weren't, you know, we were, isn't this strange? And I think it was such a great moment where I got to show and model for my boys, like what it looks like to see through magical eyes, like to have eyes be the extraordinary in the ordinary. I mean, you could look at at it from a um, conspiracy sense. (laughs) That's good. But that was, you know, pre-2020. It was pre-2020. And so, I mean, it was 2020, but it was pre what we, what it came to mean for us. What I also was thinking about was how all of these people that were standing in the lines all over the country, they were then going to go out and tell the story at their dinner table or to their friend or to their mother-in-law or to the people at the birthday party we were going to. And then like this ripple effect of everybody talking about the same thing. And I was like, oh, this is so exciting. We're all like focused on the same thing. (laughs) Were you? Because I wonder how that story went for people, you know? Yeah. I'm guessing there weren't a lot of people looking at it with those eyes, right? Well, probably not. Probably not. My husband and I do, though. We like when we are. Yeah. Well, I I have a friend who I work with um, at a summer camp, and she loves it when people get embarrassed. Because <laughs> it and and just I mean she's she's a magical kind of person, but. Uh, so it's not a like shameful kind of thing. It's more like uh, knocking people off of their rigidness. Right. And they're okay. Like my fear of strength. Right. And I mean, she has just a beautiful, lighthearted, loving way about her that she can, you know, break up that rigidity in an instant. Yeah. Yeah. Such a fun person to be around. Yeah. Yeah. And don't you want to be, you know, I, you know, as I tell that story and think about that story, you know, I, I like me, like if I look at that as a character, like in, in a movie, if I'm watching a movie, which would be Mm -hmm. a very boring movie, I gotta say, but if I were watching the movie and I saw the character, the mom, the woman who got excited and like showed her boys, like, I'd be like, oh, I like her, you know, I like her. And I, and honestly, I've said this on several occasions in many different platforms, but that was the beginning of my work. It all stemmed from at the end of the day, I want to like me. I just want to like who I am. 
because yeah. I so profoundly did not like myself. I, I have the opposite. I, I like myself, but I want other people to like me. And, you know, we've been working on this art altered book challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. And this morning, um, I was looking at my book and the, the title of my book is the time of the hero. Oh, you'd named it. Love it. No, that is the title of the book that I, Oh, the actual book. Okay. (laughs) The title of the book is the time of the hero. Oh, and so I, and I've never read the book. I don't really know. I don't know what it's about. I have no idea. I did my word of the year, you know, every year. And so my book is sort of a album of these words of the year. And I'm combi- combining the art challenge into that book because as I'm changing my story, I felt like it was appropriate to fit into that, but there's a quote. It's she needed a hero. So that's what she became. Have yeah. you heard that quote? Uh-huh. I, well, no, I mean, I think I have, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that quote. And somebody sent it to me on a card and I just put it up on my refrigerator years ago and it's still there yeah. as a reminder to myself. Yeah. That it's important to be your own hero. And, um, it doesn't matter if anybody else sees that. And, and that is something that intellectually we can say, and it's right. very difficult to embody it. Um, right. but I can say that I noticed about myself that I wanted everybody to like me. Uh, and I would, as I said, be addicted to the applause. So I'd bend over backwards and do all kinds of cartwheels and flips. I can't do a cartwheel even to this day, but, you know, metaphorically, uh, I would do all this to like be liked. But I realized what was at its core is I wanted them to like me so that I could like me. Like I was waiting for them to like me so then I could like me. And I went, oh, why don't I just, you know, cut out the middleman? And yeah, to like me. that's a good, I like that. Let's just cut out the middleman. Yeah. Well, now that, now that I'm hearing you say it again, and sometimes I need to hear things many, many times that is true for me too. Yeah, it is true. So maybe your story is more true. You think mine's true? Dad, I was going to ask you, is it true? Is it unpolished? What is it? Well, I think it's true. I think that unpolished is when for me it's when things kind of look raw and ugly sometimes messy yeah messy and that's just a magical moment where you were able to be true to yourself and your boys what I find amazing is that we talked yesterday because we had, were to have a guest on today and right. that guest couldn't make it. So we, you know, kind of had a phone call yesterday to talk about what should we talk about then? And what we came up with is let's talk about a crazy, shocking moment. Like that was the instruction. And both you and I chose a moment. Oh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. We chose a crazy moment that what happened for us was magical, but maybe that's because 
when something crazy, shocking happens, we can decide if it's magical or not. But since we had embraced that way of being, by the time these instances took place, that's how we perceive them. Because both of our stories, it's you having magic moment, me having a magic moment. Maybe we're just censoring ourselves because we want people to like us. Yeah, actually, this has all been about having you like us. Did we accomplish it? So, okay, because what I think we need to do is figure out the quality of your experience, the quality of mine, and then how are we going to create more of that? Of that. Of that. Um, right. And I would, and then when I had that thought, I thought, well, both of our qualities were the same. Well, it's perspective. Yeah. The quality. Well, being, uh, looking at things with fresh eyes. Right. Beginner's mind is what it's called in Zen. Not labeling something as, or deciding something is bad because it appears to be bad. Right. Every experience that we have is a new experience. Even if you go to work the same way to the same office, to the same people, to the same mess on your desk, Mm -hmm. you are a different person than you were yesterday. And all those other people and all those experiences, even if your job is the most monotonous, mundane thing in the world, Every experience is new, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we forget that. I mean, that's falling asleep is saying, I've been here before. I've done this before. I know what to expect. I know how this is going to go. Yeah. Falling asleep. Yeah. And so being open to a new way of perceiving. So is that it? We're seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary? Well, Wonder Woman isn't a character, it's a mindset. That's the quote that I found this morning and added to my book. Oh, I love it. So yeah, that quote uh, resonated with me this morning because we all have that in us. I mean, what you and I are talking about is not something that is unique to us. Mm -mm. And I think that when these moments happen, these sort of universal moments, you know, where like yours literally was happening all around the country. Mine was happening more locally, but it was, it was a universal experience. It's an invitation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about creating more of being willing to see. Being open to be open. Yeah. So how are we going to create more of that? What I've been doing really more than ever, even though I've taught mindfulness for years and I practice what I call informal mindfulness for years, I've practiced because that that's all I could do. I couldn't sit down and meditate for a long period, but this year I have, I have committed to meditating for 15 minutes every morning. I don't do it every morning. I miss some mornings but I'm committed to it. And that has been helpful. It doesn't take away all the pain and suffering in my own experience, but it does help me to soften and to open my heart 
um, more. And, and, and what, what I know is that sitting down and practicing that formal meditation trains your brain so that you are able to do it moment by moment. So if I've been practicing that formal meditation, then if I show up in target Mm -hmm. and the whole, you know, computer system shuts down, then I'm more likely to catch myself and be open to the moment. Yeah. Not every time. Yeah. Not every time. Yeah. But I'm more likely. Right. Progress, not perfection. Remember that you have a choice. So how do we remember that we have a choice? This is what I'm inspired to say. So I'm going to say it. You who are listening right now. Something is going to happen soon. And you are going to remember hearing this. And it's that moment that is your invitation to open and soften, as Mary put it, to take a breath and be empty. You know, don't label, just be empty. So there you go, everybody. That's exciting. And, you know, if you've listened to this podcast to the end, I want to say thank you because one of one part of my story is that they don't see me. Mm. They don't want to hear what I have to say. Mm. So stay small. Yeah. And that is very contradictory to what I I believe my soul is here to do. Mm -hmm. And so being willing to look at the truth of our story yeah. And, and to uncover it and being willing to tell a new story. Yeah. Well, what I've noticed, the nature of the story of your story is that to you, it is true. So to me, this is true. You know, it's not a story. It's true. It's very difficult to tell a new story when we don't see it as a story. I think the first step is recognizing that it is just a story because that's the hardest part, you know, and I did not realize the degree to which I did not know it was a story. So Abraham Hicks says a belief is just a thought that we keep thinking. Yeah. And so it's true because you've been thinking it for so long, but that being said, it is not true. It is a story that you can change. Yeah. 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 And you can choose to believe something different. That's the, that's the tough part though, because this, the, the thoughts become automatic. So they're there, they're in the back of our mind replaying and there's our prover setting out to prove that those thoughts are true all the time. Yeah. So it's being willing to look at it mm-hmm. and, and being willing to change it even before the belief or the truth is there to back it up. Okay. Hashtag art challenge, everybody. Thank you, as Mary said, for listening. This is really, really our great pleasure and honor to be able to do this. And so those of you who listen, so much love and gratitude to you. You have been listening to True and Unpolished, the podcast. Let's see what happens next.